Welcome to Talking Talk, the podcast for the media by us.com. I'm TJ. I'm joined here today by Chris. Hello. And Brent. Hello. We are in the office once again. We're going to do our watch list, our new segment, which we call Breezy on the Streets. Blah, blah. And we'll recommend what you need to go see this upcoming weekend. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're going to start things off with the watch list. I'll go first. I don't watch anything. All week. Had a busy week. That's why we tune in every week. Yeah, I've watched <laughs> Friday Night Lights. Remember this has to been Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Remember to subscribe <laughs> so that you can see if we watch something next yeah. week. <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping that my podcast mates watched a few things. Either one wanna, anybody want to jump in? I'll go because it's very simple what I watched. I uh, Inspired by another podcast, I rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And, man, that was just very enjoyable. Fantastic and, set of films. Yeah, I actually had a kind of a different take on uh, how I would rank them. First off, I think they're all amazing movies, so n- none of them are bad. But I think my old, my old ranking was Fellowship Towers Return. Or actually, maybe Fellowship Return Towers, but now it's Two Towers first for me. Wow. Yeah. It was always my favorite. I never would have placed it. I think if I'm separating those films and which ones I think are, you know, pace the best and, you know, have the best storylines, I'd probably go one, two, three in that order. But Two Towers is always my favorite. Yeah, it's just, I think it nails the dramatic aspects of the story better than the other movies With do. some good action and some good drama. The the uh, the movie, I think the central theme of Two Towers is, is decision making in times of crisis and how uh, the Ents have to be convinced and have to decide to go to battle for with Isengard. And uh, Theoden King has to decide what he's going to do. And the agony of those decisions makes for really great drama in that movie. I think uh, Theoden is given the best lines in the entire series. His dialogue is amazing. And uh, I was blown away this time by, by that character and that performance. In a way, I wasn't before. You get some really cool stuff too. I think you have the three best perform- performances in the series. In that, was you have Ian McKellen as Gandalf, uh, the White, primarily in Two Towers, uh, but he's one of the best performers in the series. But I do think um, Bernard Hill, Bernard Hill, and Brad Dorif are both fantastic yeah, in the series. Brad Dorif's really good. Yeah. Um, as Worm Tongue. Yeah, I also think great it's got, name for that character. Yeah, <laughs> well done, Tolkien. <laughs> I also think it's got the only good uh, Mary and Pippin scenes because I, I love them as the attaché to the and uh, they do get a little cheesy when they split up in three. <clears throat> yeah, but they're, they're so fucking annoying in one. But they're finally important in two. Yeah, like it's. I feel like Two Towers is like there's a classic RPG thing that happens in video games where like. The first act of an RPG is getting all the characters together in a room and introducing them and giving all their backstories. Uh-huh. The second act is normally they have to split up for some reason. And then act three, and it's probably based in part on the Lord of the Rings arc because that is so influential. So much is. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then three, they come back together for one, you know, climax. I think two. Sexual climax. I think two has the best of the Frodo and Sam story also, which is. Trying to decide what to do with Gollum. Yeah. What to do with Latin spread. 
Well, that's a bigger deal than three in the third right. one. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, in, the ending of two with Fredo and Sam, though. Yeah, it just, uh, rolled my eyes. <laughs> Don't forget about Samwise the Great. <laughs> They'll <laughs> sing about him, but sure. So does two start with Shelob, or does two end with Shelob? Shelob's not in... Shelob doesn't show up until, like... Beginning of three? 40 minutes into three. Wow. So the I beginning. forgot that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the start of the ending. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's in the second book, but it's in the What's third book. Winston Churchill would hate Return of the King. So this isn't the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning. Two, uh, two for Sam and Fredo, it is it is just walking with, with uh, Gollum. Do they go through the swamps in two? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah that is really good. Cool horror elements there. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the Gollum-Smeagol inner dialogue is better in two. I think that's when Gollum is most interesting. When you see Smeagol trying to like... Like, Smeagol genuinely likes them. Yeah. And he really thinks they're his friends and wants, the, wants to like be a pal and show them the way he wants precious he wants precious and so by the end of the second movie that issue is pretty much resolved and then Gollum is just a straight up villain in Return of the King yeah well that's why he was the the MTV movie awards from 2000 the best villain is the Gollum Smeagol so we talk about podcasts on the show so I don't think this is like (laughs) the series most prestigious award (laughs) yeah (laughs) So, so I don't think this is too far out of bounds but like uh, Brent was inspired by a podcast that we referenced on the show a bunch, Film Spotting, uh, who did a whole episode on this. It's really good. Recommend it. Yeah, these um, guys have done thousands of episodes on movies, and one of them had never seen this series. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So it's a really good, like, two-hour-long dive. If you're a Middle-Earth fan, I definitely recommend checking that out. But they said something that I thought was, like, categorically incorrect, which was the most memorable, like, line quotable line from the film series is you shall not pass and I definitely disagree with that it's we my all, precious it's my precious I, I think that you shall not pr- pass is probably the most mimetic like is that it was right. it's oh, everywhere it's, it's really internet, I don't think but, people think of my precious as a line right that's probably why they don't put that ahead of it but it's it's a symptom of the ring more than it is even of Gollum which is mm. why I think it's it's a little different it's it's important more important for the movie than you shall not pass Fly, you fools, to me is more important than, which is also a very quotable, memorable line mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. But it's more important for the sake of the movie than you shall not pass. But my precious is like that's that's from two towers on, like Frodo and Sam. Yeah, there's not many other ones though. I found that, that interesting to talk about because there's not a ton. I think one of the most memorable lines for me is a uh, "You bow for no one." It's yeah, super memorable. The uh, there's a line that stuck with me just on the and this is like the, my third or fourth watch of the full series right. probably, um, but you know how like uh, Aragorn and Legolas will will speak Elvish to each other yeah and so that no one else knows what they're talking about and I told TJ last night it always seems kind of like when parents start spelling out words so that the kids <laughs> don't understand what they're talking or about when we talk about giving our dog a T R E A T yeah and so. It's right, you know. It, it, it's near the beginning of the battle for Helm's Deep, and uh, Legolas starts the conversation in, in Elvish, and he's basically saying, "We've got to get out of here because they chose a losing hand. Like, it, we're I'm really sorry, but we have to leave. We are important to this war, and I got to get you and Gimli, and we got to get out of here." And uh, they're, they're speaking in Elvish because they're surrounded by soldiers. And then there's... Uh, at one point, Legolas basically says, they're all going to die. And Aragorn just 
snaps back into English and screams, then I will die as one of them. And Was that at Helm's Deep? It's at Helm's Deep. Is it on the parapets by the archers at the beginning when they're like watching the advance of the orcs? It's when, when they're, they're like planning the battle. It's when they're getting all the okay. grinding kids like in the basement yeah. in the back. Okay. Yeah. And so it's sort of the well before the battle's just about to start. But, but then um, he, he follows there going out there and does his thing. But that, yeah. is, that is that is a great quote from it. That yeah. I will die as one of them. Yeah. And again, that's just a Something about Two Towers really, really spoke to me on this watch. The whole Helm's Deep fight is just so pretty yeah. and cool looking. Uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, I was going to have my second HQ win, but the question was, uh, the first year that Star Wars did not win Best Visual Effects was because it lost to which of these movies? And it was Matrix, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Return of the King... And I forget the other one. And I went Return of the King. Matrix. And it's Matrix. And Scott Rogowski was like, Phantom Menace didn't win anything. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, no, if, if that's, you know, if that's a movie series that you haven't watched in a while, jump back in. Because nice. it's, uh, it's just something that just never gets old about just good triumphing over evil. Oh, yeah. That, that's such a good sick day trilogy to watch or a good, like, long weekend, like... You know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, just like watching those like one a night. Yeah, way, way, way better. I feel like there are, there are fewer down notes in that, or like slow points in that trilogy. Then, and I, this is going to offend you, even though you're nodding right now. Then, like the Star Wars original trilogy, I feel like Star Wars slows down, like on purpose, not as a flaw, but as far as marathoning, what I'd like to marathon more, it's Lord of the Rings than Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I would agree, but for me, it's mostly due to familiarity, like. Okay. Star Wars is just, I know those movies so well that they're tough for me to marathon in a day, just because it is just... Because you're never like, oh yeah, this scene, you're yeah. like, next is this, and it's all about that, all right. about that, right. exactly So I would rather marathon Lord of the Rings, just yeah. because I can be surprised here and there. Because then it's like, ooh, Legolas is skateboarding downstairs on his shield. Like, ooh, Legolas is skateboarding down an elephant, elephant tusk. tusk. Yeah. But yeah, they, <laughs> they do get a little formulaic, which is weird because he shot him at the same time, but it's like... Alright, there's going to be a battle, and then there's another army coming. There it is. <laughs> and Legolas and Gimli are going to keep count of how many people they kill, which is fucked up, but also kind of neat, I guess. Yeah, they bring it up. I don't want to... I've thought of this before, but I don't want it to seem like I'm stealing from, from film spotting, but they've, they've echoed my sentiment before, which is the way they get away with that, is these things are just like... They're built to kill. Yeah. They're not even people. Yeah, they're mud things. Yeah. They're not like really beings that have souls right. that's like in the Lord of the Rings mythology orcs used to do not let Lando's droid hear you say that these things don't have souls <laughs> because if droids need to be free it's not L7 that's the like punk band L3 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 yeah Terry Bob <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure she would be very into yeah orc freedom not. right well cool that's fun rewatch yeah, and that's all I watched of, other than uh, Friday Night Lights. And Might be a short podcast, but that's okay. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm bringing the spice, and I'm the most overly loquacious. So, uh, I watched three movies. I'm going to start with my least favorite and move into my favorite. Um, it is not a a very high ceiling for this, but I watched Fifty Shades Freed today, so it is fresh in my mind. Uh, it sucks. You guys, okay. if anyone listens to this podcast, you know that Fifty Shades Darker last year was my least favorite movie of the year. And I watched the Emoji movie, um, but and I, I 
by our definition, I was a huge fan of Fifty Shades Darker because it was only like my third worst movie of last yeah, year. Right. Fifty Shades Free and Free is Apparently really stupid. I won because I didn't watch any of them. Yeah, you really do. <laughs> um, it's 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 more the same. I, I think that it is maybe the sexiest, which is the exact opposite of every comedian's joke about when people finally get married. Um, but you know, it's all about Anastasia Steele pushing the boundaries of Christian Grey and like finding like where she can be an equal partner to him and him kind of resisting because he's got this sub relationship with her. Anyway, it's stupid. Yeah. There's at a certain point it becomes like a thriller, like a corporate espionage movie, which is like the biggest head scratcher to me because if the goal is to get fifty year old women like in there to, you know, remember the things as they play that, out. That's in the their cinema. favorite thing, corporate espionage. Yeah, I mean, it's, if, if this is, like, actually a movie for a demographic that's going to sell tickets, which it didn't do that great, then, you know, corporate espionage is not the way to go, and the whole subplot with Jack the Stalker, which is, like, just, like, last part of my soapbox on this, then you guys can ask questions or we can move on. The whole subplot about the former boss of Anastasia Steele, who gets fired after he attempts to sexually assault her by... Christian Grey, who buys the company right before it happened, or right after it happens, just so that he can fire him. That subplot is the main plot for Fifty Shades Freed. And that was already, they introduced that in Darker, and you just don't care. You just don't care. <laughs> and you all. still don't care. And there's like, true, there are, <laughs> there is a point in the movie, which is in the trailer, I, I'm sorry for spoiling this for you, Brent, I know you're going to eventually have to watch it, but where it shows that Jack has infiltrated or has broken into her apartment and is holding a knife to her throat. Well, the spoiler here is that the security team that Anastasia now has assigned to her, um, like, puts a gun to his head and, like, gets him off of her, like, whatever. So, like, literal witnesses who saw him hold a knife to her throat. His defense in court, which, like, kind of works because he gets granted bail, was that uh, the security team jumped him. He didn't have the opportunity to have a conversation with her. That's all he wanted. And it's like, there were two other fucking people in the room who saw that he had, like, a 10-inch bowie knife to her fucking throat. And, like, this judge is, like, not willing to hear testimony from anyone else. I don't know. It's... It's ridiculous, far-fetched, and stupid, and it's targeted at the wrong people with the plot turns it takes. I can't believe that there were books. Like, <laughs> there was enough stuff to put in a book? This this one is just, like, laced with sex scenes. Like, maybe it was like a course correction from the last movie where there was, like, one, maybe two. Good. I mean, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. At least make an erotic movie yeah. in some way, shape, or form. You're trying to make acceptable smut. That's the point of right. Fifty Shades. And so there's like six like really graphic sex scenes in this, which is I gave it one star on Letterboxd because I was like, it was kind of hot. Yeah. And that's the point of it. Right. Like, I don't feel like a pervert. Like, no, they definitely want you to think that. Part. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, like, I mean, yeah, like, it really bothers me that, like, I feel like they, sh before they made these movies, they should have just, like, made the entire cast watch, like, Body Heat. Yeah. Things like that. Right. Movies that are, are fucking sexy. Real yeah. sexy. Yeah. It's. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little uncomfortable. There are there are some scenes of like through underwear, but of like sex toy to genital, like almost contact where it's like camera zoomed in on Dakota Johnson or or a stand-ins like zoomed, genitals zoomed in on the genitals. They went went for the old uh, 
Kingsman. Yeah, approach. I was gonna say that was weird. But like, <laughs> but so they do that. But then I don't know if you guys know any of the production history of this movie. Uh, the two of them hate each other. There was a yeah. falling out because of like he was kind of rough with her in the first movie in a way that was like James Franco esque, like the allegations against him, mm-hmm. the way that you know people were saying that he was like really uncool about how he did. Sorry, saying really uncool about potential sexual assault is. It's really trivializing it, and we try to stay out of that. So, right, right, right. Uh, I, I, you're dancing, and it's hard. Yeah, but so there, there, there is some definite um, off-screen problems between these two actors, which makes it a little uncomfortable watching. Mm-hmm. That now it's gone from two sex scenes in darker, I think, like two sex scenes in the original, to now like six or seven, um, and it's all about her like liberation from under his thumb. That like makes it like a little 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 difficult at times. Uh, doesn't really impact my opinion of the movie. I think it's still shit without that. But mm-hmm. did you rate the last one half star, or would you have? I guess you weren't rated yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, half or I mean, I guess they made a movie, so I can't rate it zero. <laughs> but better than my my, my movie I made today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> not making a piece of shit movie is better than making a piece of shit movie. It's like I didn't kill a guy today. <laughs> I mean, I I've seen. Yeah, but you're a worse murderer than the guy that tried. Like, <laughs> they're they're murder zero stars. <laughs> I feel like Ted Ted Cruz's porn that he liked on Twitter famously has a better plot than these movies, which I would you know at least one and a half star for that. I watched the last half of two with you one night over here drinking, and I was like. What happened? You were like, well, he got in a helicopter crash. I was like, but he just walked back in? And you were like, yep. And then the credits started rolling, and I was like, that's it? (laughs) (laughs) You were like, yep. I was like, all right. (laughs) Fair enough. That's the problem when you try to, when you set out to make a series that is about sex, and then you have to make it palatable for, like, widespread release for just an R rating. Yeah, I don't know why they just didn't go, like, honestly, I don't know why they didn't go NC-17 for this. Yeah. Yeah. Who's seeing this under the age of 17? I mean, like, who's going to the theater to see it? Right. Yeah. Like, just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you might have made more money. I don't know. Yes. They would have made more money. Yeah. I mean, the most commonly used lubricant in audiences that night was not popcorn butter. Like, it's something else. Soybean oil. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 50 Shades Free. Don't fucking watch it. There, I think some someone on your Voodoo account bought it, and I watched it. Cause, oh, it was my mother. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> that is hundred percent sure. That is the audience. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't be watching it. It's not for me. <laughs> it's not for you. But she bought something that was for you. Yeah. So I watched Game Night, and we've talked about this a couple times. So I'm going to be brief. We've all seen it. It's it's Jesse Plemons. Yeah, Jesse Plemons is the best part. He's <laughs> fucking hilarious. In it. Yeah. Um, the thing. <laughs> There's a there's a letterbox review that I really enjoyed. Um, I didn't rate it as high or give it as much credit, um, but it, the the gist of it was: here's an ensemble comedy movie that doesn't involve like low hanging fruit or like like poop and fart jokes mm-hmm. or you know like obvious sexual tension to move the plot along and for the conflicts between the characters. And that's like that in and of itself should be seen as an achievement. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. Um, some of the jokes missed a little. The Denzel thing could have been funnier than it probably was. Yeah, yeah. The 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 stupid boyfriend and Ho- Hogan Horgan, uh, the Irish girlfriend. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that pair to me was just fantastic. Yeah, they were. She yeah. was really good. Um, I liked the. Uh, um, I forget his name, but he's a guy from the New Girl, the black guy in it. Oh yeah, yeah. 
his whole thing with his girlfriend and the fake Denzel is fucking hilarious. Yes. Their backstory that he keeps talking about, yeah, yeah good. that that little mystery is so fun to watch unfold because he just keeps making reference to it yeah. while they're trying to solve these like little puzzles and whatnot. Right. Yeah, it's so damn. <laughs> they funny. think they're puzzles anyway. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, yeah. Jesse Plemons steals the show comedically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Rachel McAdams is. I mean, she's a fan, one of my favorite actresses around. She was great. Jason Bateman's always a good call for the the straight man. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of him, but I was most irritated by him. Because he plays more than the straight man, he plays, uh, I like for lack of a better term, he plays like the cuckolded husband type. Yeah. In that, like his wife likes, you know, Kyle Chandler's character a lot better. Um, his his brother in the movie, you know, yeah, he's kind of a sad sack of yeah. yeah. He's movie. he's he's and I also hate this term, but like he's very beta male, and I get that that's like a like a typecast for Jason Bateman. There's a little little grading at times, just how much he was willing to be the boot heel of another character or of like the situation. Yeah, I do like the like lead up though. I was excited after like because I just you know vaguely knew the plot. I knew the the catalyst, the MacGuffin of the movie. I guess it wasn't really MacGuffin, but I knew the big action sequences. But I didn't know the pre story. But it was fun that they both just really love and are badass at games. Yeah. By the way, how offended did you guys feel when they did the quick trivia montage at the beginning? That's that's how it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. That's how trivia is like done in TV and movies, though. It's weird. Like, you yeah. know the Office episode where they go play trivia. Yeah, and it's like hold up your eraser board. It's yeah. just like, does that work? Why is this? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I haven't played trivia all over the country. Pretty sure I could win there and just be like, yeah, hold up your eraser boards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just look for yeah. other people. Yeah. You at least top. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, you know I played in uh, the Northeast. I've played you know, obviously down here. That's how we know a lot of people, including each other. Yep. Um, and I've never seen trivia trivialized that way. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. But anyway, Game Night's great. I mean, it's not a great movie, but it is a great, really good fodder. It's a great little departure. The, calling, calling it fodder feels like a slight. It is unexpectedly good, which yeah. was what makes me kind of give it a couple bumps up. You get to see Coach and Lance together. Yeah. Although they have like half a scene together. Yeah, he just goes, hello, officer. I did like Kyle Chandler. He plays that kind of character really well. Yeah, I love I love a movie that, that, that checks Kyle Chandler's just natural charisma. Yeah. It's really good. Again, I just seem to wind up loving every Kyle Chandler movie I see. So, randomly, I did not know that he won uh, Best Lead Actor Emmy. Mm-hmm. In uh, Coach Taylor. Season one? No. I think it's season four or five. Mm. One of the... Because him and Michael B. Jordan, that's when you finally get like two... Obviously, incredibly talented actors sharing a lot of screen time together. Yeah. Um, so now he plays off Connie Britton and he plays off Michael B. Jordan, and that's good company. Connie Britton. Anyway, she's she's pretty. <clears throat> she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, make is she actually watching rewatching some of Friday Night Lights with Kel? I really want to watch Nashville, even though I know it's an inferior show. Right. Just I love Connie Britton. She's just great. We're all three like huge Connie Britton fans. Mm-hmm. I, guess. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the Americans, and she's—that's not her. No, that's uh, Carrie Russell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's. Uh, I've I've seen most of Nashville. It's okay. It's yeah. It's soap opera. You have to kind of like Hayden Panettiere and Connie Britton to like it, right? Connie Britton helps. It helps. Um, yeah, I, it's one of those shows I can't really recommend to people, but at the same time, it's not. It's not bad. Yeah. Um. One thing I will say about Game Night that we did talk about the first two times was uh, 
the like everything goes wrong scene where he bleeds all over the dog and all over the like <laughs> guy's shrine to his ex-wife. That annoys me in movies every time, and it didn't this time. It was for whatever it was, they did it a little better. It was, it was, I think, effective here because in the comedic way that like your cover is blown because worst possible scenario plays out is this is just as this is more unexpected than like worst possible scenario playing out mm. in a way that like is like really quick. And also, like, huh, clever. Yeah. Like, when it happens, like, him, you know, the blood's dripping from his arm from the from the through and through, and then the dog, like, is licking it up, and it gets on the dog, he tries to wipe it off. That's what you see in the trailer, and you're like, okay, that's a stupid gag. But then, like, it shows him, like, trying to clean the dog, the dog turns, like, pink, and then it shakes, <laughs> and gets all over the shrine to his uh, ex-wife. Right. Did you guys know there's a scene there for the credits? I didn't know. I saw yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just in the habit now whenever I go to the theater. I just, just sit there. I sit through every credits. Yeah. Just just in case. Unions love you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I usually also I'm generally interested in like soundtracks for movies and that's okay. usually at the end of credits anyway. So yeah. What's another minute? What's another minute? Yeah. yeah. The scene at the end of the credits, this is funny, it's uh Jesse Plemons' ex wife bumping into the Denzel like fake Denzel. <laughs> at the gas station. <laughs> was really good because he's like, don't you want to know my name? She's like, no. No. Don't tell me your name. Yeah, Rachel McAdams was reading the how to like get a bullet out and how to like handle a bullet wound on her phone on WikiHow. It yeah. was really adorable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But cool. Yeah, I saw a third movie. Um, new release. I saw Deadpool 2. Nice. Yeah. It's how really it? good. I, I, it's really good. Um, I didn't like it as much as the first one. I was a big fan of the first one. I would put first one at four and a half. This is a four. Um, they do a little bit of the joke recycling that uh, some sequels will do, mm-hmm. where like you know they give T.J. Miller the opportunity to stand in front of a situation and describe it ten times, mm-hmm. the way he did when he first saw uh, Wade with his mask off in the first one. Um, but uh, which yeah. is itself a, a joke steal from just T.J. Miller on like. Right, uh, it's just it's just the highlight of him riffing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good. I don't want to spoil it. I know you guys might see this soon, uh, but it is it is entertaining and it it plays to a different edge of humor uh, for Deadpool than the first movie does uh, in a way that I think is good. Cool. If it was more just like massive fourth wall breaking sarcastic shithead stuff, I would have found it a little grating in the repetition. Uh, but this branches out a little bit more because uh, it's a bigger cast <clears throat> and Deadpool has more people around him to be a sarcastic shithead with than uh, than he did in the first movie. Nice. In the um, first one, I, I thought a lot of the jokes like didn't hit, but at the same time, you didn't have time to like dwell on the joke that didn't work because they were moving on to new jokes. Yeah, it was quick. Yeah. It was yeah. so many jokes. And then you, they would hit on one that was really funny frequently enough mm-hmm. to make that a really enjoyable movie. Yeah. But compare that to other movies like uh, I thought, for example, in Solo, I thought that jokes really fell flat a lot. The attempted jokes. And then they were... You could tell that that was the joke for that scene. It yeah. was like, this, oh, is right. the, this is the laugh moment. And if you don't get that the thing I like about Deadpool is you just move on and there's yeah. more laugh moments. It's it's punchline after punchline, which can irritate some people, but it, in this, it is it is a really good mix of lowbrow humor 
uh, funny referential pop culture jokes, and then like actual like just like good smart throwaway lines, um, and just like some some situational physical comedy that's good. Like he's in the uh, in the school for gifted children, uh, and it's just like rolling around in Professor Xavier's wheelchair, just like because he's like depressed at the time. He's like, oh, I don't want to go here. I hate this place. <laughs> rolls by an open door and there's like the reboot cast of the X-Men and they just like quietly close the doors <laughs> and he goes like where is everyone? I thought this place was full. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But that's <laughs> that's your spoiled joke for Deadpool 2 but go see it. It's entertaining. Cool. That's this uh, is this, I will. this is the definition of like is it good? Like it is because it's entertaining but is it good for any other reason? No idea. Didn't didn't really get that far. Yeah. Because I had a great time watching it and that's pretty much where I stopped my consideration. Nice. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I'm in the midst of a TV show that I've started for no particular fucking reason. Kelly and I have started watching Frasier. Oh, nice. Is it? I can't decide yet. <laughs> have you seen a lot of Frasier, Brent? I've seen a few, I don't know, random episodes. Here yeah, I've probably seen like 20, 30 episodes. Yeah. Never really a fan. I wasn't a big fan. I always found them like amusing at best, and but also fairly consistently amusing. You took the least favorite character from Cheers. Or my least favorite character, anyway, and decided to give him a show. Well, he definitely is my least favorite character from Cheers. I know but, that's not... But yeah. that's actually maybe why he might work in a different setting better. Yeah. Because just hanging out in a bar where people watch sports and... Yeah, who wants to hang out in a bar with that loose? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> the his show is a much better setting for him, I think, in his neurotic humor. Right. He, he is also the worst character in Frasier. He is he is the least <laughs> likable character, and and that's played up as the joke, right? Like, and that's that's what I like because I always saw Frasier from afar as like a snobby comedy about people who were unlikable. But then the more you kind of like live in it, the more it's clear that like you're not supposed to relate to Niles and Frasier. You're supposed to relate unless like the Niles and Frasier things, the like inferiority complex of a younger brother for Niles. Even though, like, he's clearly better at his job in life because he's, like, got a wife who he loves and loves him and has a job where he's not a hack because I think Fraser's a hack because right. he has a radio psych show yeah. as yeah. opposed to, like, Niles who has a very successful practice. Right. And before that, Fraser was obviously just living in a bar. Um, <clears throat> but you're supposed to relate to, like, Marty, the dad, who's got, like, great one-liners and to... uh good character. To Roz, the producer... And Daphne, the the caretaker, like they're the best part of it. Is just like looking at Fraser and Niles and going like, "Holy shit, you guys are fucking weirdos." Nice. Um, and that's I, that's where it's really enjoyable, where the jokes are like pretty spot on. I always thought Marty was a great character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John Mahoney is that who yeah. plays? Yeah. He. Uh, Jack Mahoney. John Mahoney. He. Uh, um, like a linchpin to that show because. It would be unbearable without him. Oh, yeah. Have you seen any cameos yet? Uh, no. We're like... I don't know when they happen. I just know there are a few. We're like eight episodes in. Okay. So I don't think there's been anything substantial. There probably wait a few seasons of that. Or like near the end of the first season. I mean, there's 11 seasons and there's like tons of episodes per season. But yeah, the, the, the John Mahoney stuff's really good. There's an episode early on where... Somebody calls in from a, a famous Seattle newspaper, uh, and you know, in response to Fraser saying that his review of a show is bullshit, uh, challenges him to a fight, which is really good dynamic for. 
it really sets you up well to continue to hate Frasier, but see that there's like an actual human being who's not an aloof dickhead in there. Um, and Marty is just perfect because he's a retired cop who gets like cops to break up the fight before it even happens, before Frasier can be embarrassed. Right. Um, but it's 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 really charming. Nice. Um, and it is not because of <laughs> Frasier and Niles. Um, but we're going to stick with it. We I, I won't watch every episode. It's the kind of show that I'm yeah. going to turn on and ignore. Right. But, you know, tune in and out for jokes. Yeah. But that's it for me for my watch list. I know that I had the bulk of it, but um, didn't really watch anything else. You know, everyone's still on that Friday Night Lights tip. Um, and I didn't play anything new this week. Didn't play any more God of War or... Stardew. A few breezies to talk about, though, if we want to do that. Breezy on the streets. Breezy yeah. on the streets. What you got? Because um, I got. Well, that. I want y'all to talk some about because uh, I, outside of y'all, I've seen it on my Facebook feed of what Fallout might be. Yeah, with the new one. So earlier this week, uh, Bethesda Game Studios started a stream on Twitch, and it was silence and just a color test screen that said. Uh, please stand by, which is the long time motif for Fallout. Right, and it wasn't like of just that, but it was of a camera pointed at a television that had that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about like ten hours later, there was a trailer drop for a new game in the Fallout series called Fallout seventy six. Yeah, and uh, uh, Brent, I'm Chris is everyday game guy, but I'm sure Brent's put in more Fallout hours. Oh than yeah, says. yeah, I was a big fan of Fallout four. Um, and uh, so I'm definitely interested in, in what this game's going to be it looks really it looks interesting but at the same time they didn't really show a whole lot of uh, you know right story or didn't really give us a clue as to what the game was going to be and there's some some thought that it might just be like a, a shelter building game or an online game, or both, or whatnot, and so I'm a bigger fan of the Bethesda grand RPG action games. Yeah, like the main entries plus New Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, that's what I'm hoping for. But I'm I would it would not surprise me if it's not that because I'm surprised they would go back to Fallout for one of those big games because those those are huge huge projects. Yeah. There's so much. I mean, you can interact with everything in the world. Yeah, you can literally pick up just, like, junk, and in Fallout 4, you can convert it into something useful. Right. Like, I remember playing Fallout, Fallout New Vegas with a buddy when he was playing for the first time, and he was I, he just, like, opened his inventory one day, and he just had, like, 300 pencils. And I was like, <laughs> why do you have pencils in your inventory? And he's like, they weigh nothing and sell for five caps. Yep. And it's like, okay, dude, like, whatever. Um, and it, it fills that that void of uh, really in-depth Western RPG. Uh, and Jason Schreier's done some reporting from Kotaku. He says that it is going to be more of a fully online-focused game, but he doesn't know much more than that. It's just from conversations he's had with people. Um, but you should be able to interact with other players in the world, which will excite some people, but probably not Brent and I. That's no. not what we go to those games for. Um, but definitely interesting. I think we'll, we'll hear a lot more about it at E3. Yeah, looking forward to that. It's, uh, yeah, like I said, I think their next big game won't be another Fallout game. You would think that they would either, either do a new series or Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, and we were talking about Elder Scrolls um, <clears throat> a little bit earlier. 
in that with Elder Scrolls Online, which is supposedly really successful, like I would be hard pressed to believe if they said that they were coming out with Elder Scrolls Six because they yeah. don't want to pull people away from the online game where they're getting monthly sub fees and where they can just whatever new content they develop or write, they can just put in that game. Right. They can they can write in a new continent if they want to. Yeah. For that, because it's they can iterate. I don't know, but I'm excited nonetheless. It's E3 season, so I'm mm-hmm. I've got my ear to the ground on leaks, but I don't really bring anything up until like you guys like you guys don't care about the new Team Sonic Racing game, but that got leaked, you know. Um, but Fallout is a beyond just games fan news. Mm-hmm. Is it is an everyone media fan thing? Yeah. Um, that's a weird. That was weird because we talked about it last week so much. But uh, y'all read any of the news on Solo and Money? I know it had a generally disappointing opening, and it's also I don't know if y'all knew this. Uh, it's the most expensive Star Wars movie ever made. Two hundred fifty million dollar budget. Uh, they had a seventy seven percent drop from weekend one to weekend two. Wow! They are not going to make their money back domestically. <clears throat> they will internationally. They'll do fine. They haven't yet, which is weird. But. Uh, hmm. They haven't made half their back money, half their money back yet. If you just count the message. yeah, because it opened at what around a hundred on yeah, the first it made, weekend, made about twenty three million the second weekend. That's I was on. I mean, I say on record, but I, we're on a podcast, so I was actually on record. I mean, I called it a three hundred million dollar movie without blinking. Yeah, um, and I was thinking domestic numbers with that. I mean, I yeah. thought it'd be go make three hundred million dollars easy, but it, I'm gonna be. It probably won't crack two domestically, which is wild. It's crazy that Donald Glover's most successful thing that he did last month or yeah last month is that music video isn't going to be solo <laughs> yeah isn't going to be a star wars movie yeah that's that was wild to me that i saw that i was kind of shocked yeah but i i looked for news today there wasn't a ton other than that fallout and this you got anything else no i mean no. it's like i said it's it's you know we are by the time we record the next podcast, I won't be here, but by the time the next podcast is recorded for Talkie Talk, E3 will be in full swing. We'll be in the middle of press conferences. Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but there's basically one big publisher per day from Friday through Tuesday. Um, what are the dates of E3? It's technically E3 runs from... I'm, I'm going to get these dates correct because this is not going to release you know, today. Um, so technically, E3 runs from Monday the 11th okay. through Thursday the 14th. But press conferences are going to start, I'm pretty sure about this, either Thursday the 7th or Friday the 8th. Okay. Do you think that's when like a lot of the videos will hit YouTube? Yes. Okay. That is going to be like Bethesda has one, Square Enix has one, Ubisoft has one. You know, Not to mention the regular Microsoft and Sony press conferences. There's also going to be my favorite of last year. Devolver's got another one this year. I mean, all of this is going to happen before the show starts, before yeah. the official E3 starts. I like that. I, I just uh, every June, I really love uh, just watching all the the videos, trailers, all the trailers. trailers. I like yeah. yeah, yeah, they're always really great. I mean, it's it's such a high production. This is this is it's not the Oscars, but this is basically like can for video games. Mm-hmm. Like it's where they get to first expo their games. You know, lots of private meetings will happen. Uh, this year they've changed it up where there's a Monday is purely for press. Monday the 11th is purely for press. And then now that they've started selling tickets to the general public, the 12th through the 14th are open to everyone, but only starting at, I think, noon. For everyone, for all the press, they get to be there two hours early. 
But so yeah, so so E three is in full effect starting the end of the week that you're listening to this. Cool. Yeah. Few movies coming out this yeah. weekend. Yeah, um, I'm excited about a couple of them. Uh, you got Ocean's Eight, which is all female cast, the fourth film in the Ocean's franchise, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Kate Blanchett, Rihanna, Sandra Bullock, Aquafina, Aquafina, uh, Mindy Kaling. Um, so my initial gut with that is. No, it's going to be pretty bad, but it could surprise me. Um, there's Hotel Artemis, which is a uh, Jodie Foster runs a secret hospital for criminals. It's like yep. a crime movie. Uh, Sterling K. Brown will surely act his face off in that again. Yep, Dave, Dave Bautista. Bautista. Going to provide some real hilarious moments. I hope so. And then a movie that I'm going to go ahead and jump on record behind. Uh, the trailer came out a few months ago called The Scariest Movie of the Year by a lot of people. Um, yeah, 95 and 98% uh, reviews based off a true story that I heard on a podcast a couple years ago about a girl who was scared of these dolls that her mean-ass grandmother left her. And after her grandmother died, she swore she kept finding the dolls in, like, weird, like, positions, sexual, like, dog, doll, dolls, dolls' heads missing. Yeah. And stuff like that. Uh, There's a movie about that called Hereditary starring Tony Collette. And I'm super excited. And yeah. I, don't, I don't really do horror movies, but... Ooh, and it's A24. They do great stuff. A24 is fantastic. Yeah. Independent studio. And Dowd is in it, who I love. And she has... <laughs> she is the last build person on a list of four of five people. Yeah. So she's going to be a creepy person in this movie. And I look forward to Anne Dowd being Gabriel creepy. Byrne, you know, he's the lead in... I guess the usual lead in Usual Suspects. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and say Hereditary. I want to pick Hotel Artemis. Cause I, it looks fun. Yeah, I like the... Um, it's that, just, are they going to give you too much Jenny Slate? You never know. <laughs> I love Jenny Slate, man. Yeah, that's that, for me. It, that is definitely always the issue with Jenny Slate. It's like, are you gonna? I like Jenny Slate too, up until I've reached my like event horizon. My like with Jenny Slate in a movie where it's just like I'm done. I'm done. Gotta gotta stop. Hotel Artemis looks fun. I know. What about you, Brett? Um, I hmm, I think the best movie. It's probably going to be Hereditary. Um, I don't know that I want to go to a theater and see that, honestly. Might just want to watch that one at home where I can uh, take a little break if I need to. <laughs> Tower in fear later. Just, uh, I'm probably going to see that movie by myself this weekend. <laughs> in, yeah. This week when I'm in yeah. Washington. So, I'd probably say Ocean's 8. Ocean's 8. I'm going to say Ocean's 8 just because that's the movie I would go see in the theater. Although, I get scared. <laughs> I also like taking a full split. I think all three of these movies are going to be good. Yeah, I should say it may surprise me. I just had I got a, got a feeling. Yeah, I, I just want it to be good because I hate the internet argument that what they're going to make it all women. I uh, know. <laughs> Who's directing Ocean's Eight? Is it anybody we know? Let me uh, think about it really hard. Uh, I think it's Gary Ross. Gary Ross. That sounds right. <laughs> I mean, come on. This doesn't tell you if he directed them. All right. Ooh, no. Never mind. Sea Biscuit. Tell Despero. <laughs> Dave, Dave's great. Well, Mr. Baseball's good. <laughs> yeah. But in Dave, he just played policeman number two. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, so we're a full split on this. Uh, go see Ocean's 8 or Hereditary or Hotel Artemis. Cool. But if you go see Hereditary, bring a buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Hold somebody's hand. Yeah. Well, that's it for us. This has been Talkie Talk, the podcast for the mediabias.com. Please find us on Facebook. We've got a page, and we've also got pages for each of your interests. Movies by us, TV by us, games by us. 
you can also email us at themediabyus at gmail.com. You can find us at Twitter at themediabyus. You can find us on iTunes and whatever your favorite pod snatching app is and subscribe to us and give us a rating so that really helps us out and it makes you our favorite person. Um, we want to give a special thanks to the intro music provided by the Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers. And a uh, special thanks to the outro music by Burifa. Burifa. Anyways, this has been us and... You are you. And that you was are you. you. So thanks, TJ. Bye. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know.